Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Michelle Malo. She is a business coach, a consultant, and a global speaker. Welcome, Michelle. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely amazing. Thanks for having me. Excellent. It is my pleasure. I am so excited to jump in and get into the conversation and learn and share a little bit more about who you are and the beautiful bright light that you shine out into the world through the work that you do. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Sounds good. So as I said, you are all of those things. You're also known as the change CEO. Now, that's a hell of a lot of hats you wear and one hell of an extensive resume, it would seem that all of these hats you wear also are very closely tied in together with one another. So how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization for you? Yeah, it's very important. And my priority is always my clients first. So all of those things are actually intertwined because most of the time when folks come to me that are either small business owners or even some companies looking to launch a new product, a new division, those sort of things. But what they all have in common is there's a bit of a, a transition or an unknown or a change. And over my career, I've been known to be able to navigate the waters, bring teams together, really take a look and dissect the problems so that we can transition or change over into this new growth category and phase. So it sounds like a lot, but again, you're always consulting. You're always monitoring the change and prioritizing what is always important, which is your client and their needs, not yours. Now, with you being a serial entrepreneur and wearing multiple hats, I would love to know, what does your morning routine look like? This may be a, not a popular opinion, <laughs> but I don't have one. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm very much a, a night owl. So Me too. I, so I tend to work very closely around planning my day in terms of knowing what I have to accomplish, the different meetings I have. So I I organize my day based on my clients' needs and and how I'm going to be at my best. And that's generally a little bit later. So I'll work out in the morning, do things that, you know, email those sort of things. But I let my day go as needed, knowing the different tick boxes, you try to meditate, try to get some reading in, you know, all the things that people say should be in a morning routine. I just tend to do them throughout the day. Just roll with the flow. I do. I, I'm an ADHD and proud of it. And and I just have to do my thing. (laughs) What were you doing for a living before making the jump into entrepreneurship? Yeah, I was in brand management actually for fortune 500 companies. I actually worked with Kraft and Kellogg's in the hospitality arena. I do a little bit of that now in the entrepreneurial world also. And so how long have you been working as a business coach and consultant now? 
about 12 years. 12 years. I want to speak a little bit about the coaching world. And I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches have been through their personal struggles and journeys. And of course, before making the leap into coaching, I mean, of course, we've all gone through our own personal journeys and struggles and all had our shit to deal with That's right. and personal journeys as human beings. But what I found through a lot of the conversations I've been having is that for most of the people I speak with who are now coaches, their personal struggles and journeys were the catalyst for them becoming a coach. So can you share a little bit about that with your own personal struggles and journey you were on before making the leap into the coaching world? Absolutely. I do not fear change. My mom says I would never be happy unless my pants were on fire. So I had <laughs> literally left a Barilla where I was actually running their food service marketing division. I decided that I was going to start a wellness business and become a personal trainer because I have battled my weight my entire life and I had lost over 170 pounds. Wow. So I saw a lot of my peers and other folks that were my age really struggling to be the person and the confidence that they once were. So I actually left to help folks refine themselves physically, emotionally, all of that. But what it ended up transitioning, I had a very successful wellness business, but I kind of created a job because personal training is get up at 530 and you go till eight. And I'm like, wow, I'm a double MBA. And 20 years of marketing experience. Maybe I should rethink this a little. Right. <laughs> and that's where it transitioned into the, the consulting world because most of my clients were peers and colleagues and I was writing their resumes and their strategic plans while helping them get their health back in order. So that's where I really jumped more into helping with the transitions with career development and with strategic planning and startup business businesses. So. And so how long did you have the wellness business then? About five years. Five years, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I was also working with older folks that have MS and, and okay. things to help them be more mobile. So my clientele was a little bit older, but it was something that gave me great joy. And I just kind of transitioned that to someone else and then kind of took over now the business side of people's lives. <laughs> and jumped on another path. That's Love right. It. That's right. So with the coaching, what is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other business coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? Well, I think first and foremost, I make people feel very comfortable. It's like generally, I mean, I haven't met a stranger and people trust me. And I think trust in a coaching consulting arena is very important. I surround myself with a network of folks that if I can't help you, that I have someone, I've got a person. And it's everything from help building a team around you, because I don't claim to be the know-all be-all. I'm just the one to help bring in the right people to your life and to help you build structure and strategy and good business processes around your idea or your career, whether it's just a personal thing we're building branding for you, or if it's building a whole business, it's bringing all that experience and the empathy and the network together to really make sure you pass the finish line. That like, no trust factor is key for mm -hmm. sure. It yeah, all starts have, there, right? You have to build camaraderie and understanding that I'm still not the thinnest person in the world. I've seen a lot of folks that'll say, never trust a chubby trainer. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. And again, this is the imposter syndrome, like all those kind of things. Yeah. Talk about a little bit because I've always, you know, I was an athlete my whole life. So I've always just been a bigger girl, but I said, you don't know people's journeys. And the fact is, is almost all of my clients because I was a little bit older and because I've struggled with my weight my whole life, you know, and I still do, that that made me relatable. 
and they could talk to me about it and not be ashamed of, well, I used to be here and now I'm here. It's like, no, you're here and we're going to make a journey to get you where you're happy and healthy again. So that's why people tend to choose to work with me because they know the expertise. You can look at my resume and see what I've done, right? Everyone can put a resume down. What you can't put down is the soft skills and the network that I can bring. That's right. That's insane. Never trust a chubby. What the fuck? I know. That's ridiculous. I got some crap and I was bullied as a kid. I was one of those kids in grammar school where I would walk home and the boys would push me into the bushes, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I understand that pain of of looking in the mirror and not liking what you see. So that was why I, I really felt a calling to help folks get back on that track. Because again, I've helped people get to a weight where they could then have children. I helped a, another woman just kind of get her self-esteem back where then she went on to go on The Voice. You know, wow. Well, I love that. I think that's beautiful work that you're doing and putting out into the world. So keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. I love it. <laughs> Good. That's important. That's we need sweet. to love the work that we do. We're only here for a short time and we work a lot of that time. So you might as well enjoy what you're doing. Absolutely agree. What, in your opinion, is the most important quality or skill set in a business coach? It's listening skills. You have to not, because I've seen a lot of coaches, this industry is interesting. You (laughs) got to really be careful of who you're putting your trust and your money behind, because it's an investment in yourself and folks who do that, I applaud, but you got to watch out for folks. And if they're not listening to you, and pushing their own, like, here's my $47 program, mm-hmm. you know, oh, now you got to upgrade to this because it's really important to listen so that whatever you're bringing to them in terms of a program, help a workshop, you know, writing, whatever it is, is exactly what they're looking for. And you've got to be able to also listen to that, but also say, here's what they're saying they need, but here's what they really need. And making sure you present that so they understand that you are going to deliver that end result but we got to work on the underlying things first. So the ability to be able to diagnose that, be kind with folks because everyone's like says journeys and their crap yeah. has been there and then implement something everyone's comfortable with within a timeline. Absolutely. And I'd love to know, what are your thoughts on the coaching industry currently? I mean, through multiple conversations that I've had with multiple women who work in the industry as coaches, I found that a lot of them don't even like to use the word coach. They prefer guide or mentor because of the bad rep that the coaching industry gets. I would love to hear your thoughts on this as a coach. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment because the word coach has become like Kleenex. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what does that actually mean anymore? (laughs) Yeah. And to folks that have life experiences and, and, they're, and you're 18, 19, God bless you. But you've got a lot of young folks with not a lot of experience claiming to be coaches. You have the greatest, you know, AI comes out. Next thing you know, three weeks later, hey, buy my program. I'm an AI expert. It's like, really? <laughs> the technology's <laughs> only been out for, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But somehow you become an expert in three weeks. Awesome. So that's the thing. And there's also a lot of people, and I actually done a speech on this kind of tongue in cheek. So I like to do a little comedy if I can around things because everyone's so serious. Yeah. It's like, We we need to loosen up and not take life so damn seriously. And that's the coaching industry. If you look, it's the morning routine. You got to grind. You got, if you sleep, you're behind and like all this oh, the crazy. hustle culture bullshit. I, I cannot stand that word hustle. And 
you nuts. If I hear the word grind, it's like grinding in my ear. It's like I can't. And the thing is, is I go to a lot of events because again, I, I believe you're, you know, networking is, is everything and putting yourself yeah. in the right rooms. And I'll be the first one to admit, you know, they play off vulnerability. And I was going through a pretty bad divorce after, you know, 20 years of being with this gentleman. And I was trying to prove so hard that I could do this because I was his executive, right? Yeah. And, and I made early in the entrepreneurial world, I got pulled in to some of these gurus and you're only as good to them until your credit card stops working and they don't care about you. You get in, you get the rah-rah, you get to meet some celebrities. Sometimes it's a lot of glam with no substance. And I think a lot of people have been burned. A lot of money's been lost. So that's why I always say, look for experts or look for people you know, like, and trust. And who do they recommend? Okay. And, so and, I was going to ask, what is your recommendation for people that are looking for coaches? But you just shared that. So, yep, exactly. Know the people that are around you, surround yourself with good people. Because if you don't, like I said, my message is my message. Thank you, Oprah. Because I, I lost tens of thousands following some of these folks promising me everything. And I was so vulnerable to get out of this relationship, make this business work that I just threw money at a problem. And then I had a very bad taste in my mouth. But then I found some local folks. I got some people now in my corner because you need a coach. You just got to find yeah. the right one. Everyone yeah, needs I guess people take advantage. I mean, we get bombarded with shit from different oh. coaches and everybody's a coach and it's all over social media. It's It's hard to weed through and navigate and find those good coaches. I, I'm almost keen to say that it's it's like mechanics. You know, a good mechanic, as they say, is worth their weight in gold. When you find a good mechanic, you hold on to that mechanic because they are far and few between the honest and good mechanics. So I think the same thing could apply to coaches as well. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And it, just a word of advice. It's been, I love events. I'm, I'm one of those folks that I always love learning. I love meeting new people. But this is a word of advice to folks. If you're going to any of these, and I'm, you know some of the big guys, right? I'm not going to mention any names. Research before you go to the event, because I guarantee you at the end of that event, especially if it was free, they are going to start pushing programs. Here comes the sales pitch. Here, you can feel it. And, and again, if you're new to it, you're like, and you were mesmerized by these people because they're NLP and, and orders for a reason, right? Yeah. And research, go and look up, I hate to say it, are there bad reviews? Are there, you know, there's the snoops. There's a lot of things you could put people's names in and just see what people are saying. Yeah. It's one or two, you know, you always get one or two people that are just- no Of course. Fun, that are of no course. fun at parties. But if, if you see, and it's a general, you know, theme, because then you can make a more intelligent decision of some of the programs are worth doing. But if they're telling you to run to the back of the room, don't do an emotional purchase, wait and research it. Because I guarantee you, if you come back and want to buy it, they're going to let you. Yeah. And have <laughs> conversations with people. Talk to people about it. That's right. That's right. Definitely past clients. You know, if you yes. see that, definitely look at who they're connected with on LinkedIn. Because like That's I said, what I was going to say. Because I thought about this and having conversations with past clients would be a great way. But how do you approach, I'm, I'm just curious how you would approach those conversations with people, how you would approach them, not knowing them at all, just cold reaching out. Hey, I'd love to hear about your experience coaching with so-and-so. It, it'd be a difficult thing to even approach someone, I would think. Well, what I generally do is I don't do cold. Right. Um, 
at all. I will never approach anyone cold unless I have value to add to that conversation. My biggest pet peeve is waking up in the morning to 25 LinkedIn messages about how you're going to, especially, hey, I'm a ghostwriter. I'm like, cool. So am I. Thanks for checking out my, my you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to approach someone. If you're looking into coaching and you want to speak with some of that coach's previous clients, you have to approach them cold. Well, yes and no, depending on your network. I, I will go in and see if I've had any mutual contacts. Right. And if you don't. Uh, and if I don't, like I said, I made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I'm giving you, like I said, I, I don't do it because I'm kind of, pulling back from that because I have right. my team of people. Yeah. But that's what I'm telling people they should do because I didn't. You know, again, you can't look in the past. I take full responsibility for every decision I ever make. Yeah. But you definitely can get preyed on really easy. Oh, so all I'm sure. saying is do do the research. I hate cold calling people. That's just a personal note. So yeah. I'll put that in there. Yeah. I generally don't do it. Yeah. I try to find people within my network or are connected. So I can say, hey, we're okay. connected. Just looking on opinion you were part of this, but you know, that kind of stuff. Because for me, that would be the first thought is that, and that would probably give you the best and most desirable results is reaching out to previous clients to find out what their experience was like. Right. And I've also been asked from other coaches I've worked with, do you mind? I have a client that's looking for a reference. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so I've asked other coaches if they could provide me with that too. And then that's not cold. Because yeah, they'll let that okay. person know too. So that's another way also to do it. Because I've, I've done that for other folks have helped me with marketing right. different things just yeah. as long as I like them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you work with a lot of professionals around leadership, thought leadership. I would imagine that mindset is also a very big part of that work. What makes a successful thought leader in your opinion? Someone who has no fear. You've got to be able to, if you have an idea, you have to be collaborative. But you definitely want to not be shy of bringing new ideas to the table. That was part of why in corporate, sometimes I didn't fit the corporate mold as much because I never wanted to do things the way they were always done, especially if I was dealing with a category or a brand that was in, in decline. When I did cookies and crackers at Kellogg's, you know, they said to me, okay, great. Because I, I was more in the food service part of things. Like, great. You know, crackers are kind of declining. We need a new promotion. Let's bring back the cracker basket. The cracker basket? I'm like, are, are you <laughs> like that? Was that like at Sizzler? I'm like, no, are you kidding me? <laughs> and they fought me on it. And then I provided an idea called the Art of the Cracker, where we looked at different ways to get crackers onto menus and into different entrees. So just because a cracker wasn't sold in cellophane, it could be used in soups and all these different things partnered with the Culinary Institute, elevated the idea of crackers, and voila, 15 years later, still using that that program. <laughs> what does thought leadership mean to you, Michelle? Yeah, it, to me, again, it, where you have no fear of expressing a new idea. Because a lot of times you get a lot of people in the room that don't want to express, like you hear an idea and everyone's excited about it, and yeah. you're there like, there's something not sitting right that thought leader would be able to stand up and, and express the concerns or to add to make it even better versus just going along with everyone, you know, just kind of that everybody's clapping kind of thing. Yeah. You've got to be able to, to really for change and growth to happen. New ideas have to be presented and that's why you have to have free speech. What then would you say is the process in your mind that best supports leadership development? 
I think the biggest process is allowing yourself to be uncomfortable and putting yourself in places where you take on new projects that might not be in your wheelhouse so that you can get a viewpoint of what everyone's working on. So as an example, whenever I would work with a new cross-functional team, I would always make sure I was on the phone. I would go to our actual manufacturing plants. I want to understand what everybody's job is so that as we're doing programs and we're seeing how things work, it works logistically, it works for packaging, it works for you know, everyone in the ops line, everyone on the sales line. Because when you have all of that buy-in, then you're able to produce things that everyone's behind because, you, again, going back to that listening. So if you're able to reach out to people, understand what they're doing, and then have new ideas brought to the table, have no fear of change, all those different things I did throughout my entire career. So it's a long process. But what it does, it, it shows you how to lead because you, you're looking at things from a lot of different perspectives and offering up opinions like it's like my morning routine that might not be as as popular <laughs> of an idea as, as you know, other people may think. So, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is one tip or takeaway that listeners can implement immediately to start stepping into and embracing their inner leader and begin owning that? What I always say is if the rug gets pulled out from under you, buy a new rug. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> because life is going to do that to you. And all you have to do is be like, wow, that, Ow, you know, and then to dust yeah. yourself off and realize, you know, I didn't like that old rug anyway. It's time to look at what is the next step and the next thing. So I, I really truly believe that it's a blessing and it's what life is doing for you, not to you. Being a business coach and consultant and working with and around a lot of business professionals, obviously mindset, as I mentioned, that plays a big part in your work. Can you speak to how important a part mindset played in helping you through your journey and struggles and just how important mindset is to our daily routines and our successes? Absolutely. And and I'm going to be the first one to tell everyone, everyone struggles. Okay. Yeah. So just because mindset is extremely important It's okay to give yourself space with grace when maybe something doesn't go wrong or right. That's not wrong for you to do that, but you just can't stay there too long. The point is things happen. Allow yourself to process it. Walk away from social media, whatever you need to do, and then come back and say, okay, I processed through that. And now what's the next way to do that? Because I've battled again with my weight and mindset. My mess is my message and having the right people around me who support me. Your support system is everything. Absolutely agree. That is key for sure. I mean, I mean and, sorry, yeah. go ahead, Michelle. No, I was, no, was going to say, when you look around, if you get more support, let's say you're a runner. Like I ran the marathon in, tw- I don't, well, maybe not run it, but I did the marathon in 2015. <laughs> and it's amazing that complete and total strangers cheering you on when you think you're going to die, right? If your inner circle isn't doing as much as someone on the side of the race line, you need to reconsider your circle of people because you won't make it because life, this adulting thing, they have to change the brochure. Yeah. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> it was not as built when I was a kid, you know, yeah. we all get knocked down, but I've said, make sure you, you have big cheerleaders because sometimes you gotta, you gotta count on them to get you out of it. Cause like I said, the COVID thing, there's, it's, there's been a lot of stuff and I, and I'm struggling a little bit, you know, right now with some changes that we're going through with the business and stuff. But it's okay. It's growing pains. It's cool. 
I can't say this enough or stress this enough is that we're not meant to do this thing called life or this thing called entrepreneurship alone. We can't do it alone. You simply cannot. It is not possible to do it on your own. You have to have a team around you, a support system, a community, whatever that is for you. You've got to have people around you, people in your corner, cheerleading, lifting, supporting, and helping you along the way, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. To me, that is probably the number one thing. Yeah. Those are the, for me, for my community, the Empowerography community, the platform, I have three pillars that I believe are the staple and the key and the foundation, and that's community, collaboration, and celebration. Those three things, everybody needs those in their life and in their business. You cannot get by without them, period. Absolutely. I 100%. And and I, I'm not yell because I'm not a yeller. Um, but <laughs> Scream it from the rooftop. Yeah, right, right. I'm kind yeah. of like my grandmother. It's like she never yelled if you did, but you got the look and you knew. Yeah. <laughs> you were, oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> you're in trouble, but yeah. Yeah. I, I want to continue talking a little bit about the whole mindset thing and business and the struggles that go along with all of that. So often we see and hear from experts like yourself and mm-hmm. who have overcome adversity and transformed through the pain to discover their purpose, which is amazing and powerful. But I would love to hear from you with all that you've gone through and your struggles and come out the other side. What are some of the struggles and the things that you face today around a mindset and imposter syndrome, just to name a few? I mean, I'm sure you would agree with me and you just mentioned it, that just because we've been through the trenches and come out the other side successfully Mm -hmm. and struggle doesn't mean that we don't still struggle. It's going to happen. It's going to pop up from time to time. Can you share a little bit about that with me and how you deal with that? Absolutely. And you never know when the next trench is going to be. You know, so you, you get out, it's going to be a battle. And currently I had some things thrown at me in the last year or so. And a couple of things I had to deal with, I had to move. And I'm re-looking at the business because here's the other, the really key part is that you have to constantly be moving and changing and taking a look at things and saying, okay, why isn't this working the way it was maybe six months ago? Because our world is changing in such a fast pace the world still needs a Snickers and a Twix and like everything that's happening right now. But then take a look and say, well, how can you adapt what you're doing, not only personally, but in the business? So as an example, even though I work with right now, a Wi-Fi company, I have a restaurateur, I'm working on a sustainability water project, but I'm looking to actually really come back and focus because my whole background is in hospitality, manufacturing and restaurants. And that's when I I light up. So I think my coaching business is probably going to actually be a lot more targeted back towards that industry, just so I can reignite and utilize the 25 years of experience and be able to really talk to the folks that I think I can help. So I think I got way off your question, but but my point is, is I was struggling with figuring out what the next step was. Right, right. You could tell my ADHD, I apologize for that. (laughs) No, no, no. But but that's the whole thing is to recognize and be able to say, okay, it's time for another shift here. You talk to your mentors and that's where a lot of this is coming from because we're reestablishing like what the, the 2.0 is going to be. And it's just going to be a little bit more on a, on a targeted basis Get to get past this little bump I'm kind of going through, right? This, this yeah. Time. Yeah. What is one tip or takeaway then that listeners can implement to start reconditioning their mind for the success they want then? I, I think the biggest tip is, is stop comparing yourself to people. Social media, like I always have a 
the joke is this, I'm not a runner, but I play one on Facebook. So you'll <laughs> see me at a start line. You'll see me at a finish line. And the journey between the two points is no one's journey, but my own. Yeah. And if I could tell you the negative bubbles, because I hate running. So like I said, I'm not exactly a tiny girl. It's just the thought bubbles I'm, I'm popping and getting rid of that negativity. But that's really the tip is, is just to, you know, start something, have a plan and finish it, have space with grace with yourself. And just, like I said, and just really get started on whatever it is that you want to do. So, yeah. Yeah. But that social media, do not compare because I'm going to tell you behind those posts, there's some ugly. (laughs) Comparison is the thief of joy, right? That's that's a hundred percent right. So that to me is the first thing is don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Don't worry about if it's not quite right. You're going to go through many iterations of your business in your life and just have that support system and, and stay focused. That competition and comparison mindset is a bitch. I, I dealt and struggled with that for quite a while when I first jumped into my photography business. And it's a tough demon to battle and to overcome. But once you do come out the other side of it, it is so freeing and incredible, but it's a struggle to get there. It takes the work. You got to put in the work to, to get past it. You, you really do. And I guess it's social media is the devil. Yeah. <laughs> so- yeah. It's a double-edged sword, right? There are quite a few positives to it, but I mean, people, a lot of it is the highlight reels of everyone's life. They're not That's- portraying who they truly are. And I mean, I got to a point now where I'm at a point now where the competition thing. Now my mindset around competition is the only person I'm in competition with is me. As long as I can see that I'm improving and growing and expanding, that's the only competition I have. That competition mindset doesn't exist anymore for me. That is wonderful. And also too, the competition thing and also the imposter syndrome. When you walk into a networking meeting event, own it, take up space. That one's one I'm still dealing with, imposter syndrome and and self-confidence. From time to time, I'm human. It comes up and I struggle with it. But the competition mindset, no longer. Like I dealt with that for a couple of years and I'm over it. I'm done with it. I keep in my mind that I'm my only competition. Absolutely. And like I I tell everyone, that is a journey because- It is. There'll be a moment, because I'll be honest with you. I was nervous about getting on with you today. Really? Because it's yeah, right. I can't even tell you how many podcasts I've done and all this, but because of going through a little bit, like I said, I just moved into a new home, transitioning the business a little bit. You know, there's just a lot of things going on. I'm like, oh, I haven't done a podcast in a hot minute, and it was just (laughs) that moment of, okay, it's all my new my equipment. Hopefully, all this works. Just all that stuff, the self doubt, it started to come back. I'm like. My friend is like, are you kidding me? You can talk to I go, I know. I go, it's just, once I get back in the seat, it'll be fine. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. those moments pop up. Of course, we're human yeah. beings. Of course, they're going to pop up. But you just got to stick to your guns and push through and, and do it. And once you get back into it, like you said, you get back in the saddle or back in the seat. And it's like old hat, right? It's second nature. So Absolutely. Absolutely. You're known as the change CEO. Can you talk a little bit about how you garnered that title and what it means to you, how you feel about it? Absolutely. I feel like I'm always in a process of change and and I don't think change is a bad thing. And I, I'm the worst person to go shopping with as an example. <laughs> Do you like that? And if it's pretty or if it looks good on you, I'm like, yes, you need to buy that. <laughs> and it's the same thing with folks who come to me with their careers and they're not happy and all they're doing is bitching and moaning. 
it's like, okay, if you are really this unhappy, but benefit, okay, no, get out of the fear. We're going to make a change. And the first thing I always tell folks, if you're that miserable in a job, do your resume. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, when's the last time you did your resume? Like, oh, it's been years. I'm like, I want you to sit down and write your resume. Like, why? I go, because you have no idea where you were at that point and where you are right now. I said, so I guarantee you, you will be astonished by all you've accomplished to give you the confidence that you can make a change. And I did the same thing when I'm managing brands and all those sort of things. I'm like, you know what? You want a cracker basket? Nah. <laughs> you know, uh, Brilla, when I first went in there, you know, we're selling to college and universities, to restaurants, all these folks. And the marketing they had was retail. I'm like, so you mean to tell me you're talking to a guy at University of Massachusetts who runs the biggest college university feeder in the country, hundreds of thousands of kids he feeds a day. Yeah. And you're going to go in there and try to sell him saying that this pasta is romantic and it's the taste of Italy. Really? <laughs> He's going to want it. It's the most. Students that, don't give a shit about that. Well, that's just, and, and the cooks don't need it. They want to know, you know, how long can it hold up on a steam table? Do you have any, you know, all these different things that is about operations and costing and packaging. And we weren't talking to our customer. So I reinvented their entire food service marketing program. And opened up all new segments because we had to change the way we were doing things because they couldn't understand why they weren't growing that division. It's like, well, because you weren't talking to your customers. Yeah. You were talking to yourself because that's what you believed the brand was. And you believed anyone gave a crap about your brand. <laughs> no one cares about your brand. They care about what you can do for them and what that brand brings value to their lives. Yeah, that's for sure. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? No is a real word. <laughs> I'm in a little bit of a transition right now. And one of the things I am doing is stripping back all of the things I have going on. Because you said earlier, you know, I have so many hats. Well, the yeah. other problem, not problem, because I'm a bit of a people pleaser so can you help me with that? Sure. You want to be on this board of directors? Okay. You know? <laughs> and next thing I know, I'm going to Toastmasters, to this networking group, to that. And when it's all said and done, wow, I just spent how many hours, years really promoting other people's things and their stuff versus focusing on getting myself and my things done as opposed to running around with my head cut off. It's that focus thing. So I'm stripping all of that back to see where can I make the most impact because I believe in serving first, yeah. but also not so the fact that I'm serving so much that there's nothing left of me. And yeah, I know is a real word and that's a one I am still working on, but I've had a few folks like you're quitting. I'm like, I'm not quitting. I go, I'm just taking a break Yeah, for me to see where's the best place in utilization of my time and where I can make the most impact because I'm no good if I'm spread too thin. No is a complete sentence, as they say. That's right. No, period. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny because when we get into that whole thing about saying no, we as humans find it necessary to then follow up that no with a, well, it's because of this, given a reason, giving an excuse or whatever. You don't have to. You can just say no and that's it. Like I said, no is a complete sentence. You don't have to justify why you're saying no. That's right. Because when you say Yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. That's right. What, so what is it that you're blocking out of your life, your opportunities, experiences, even personally? Because that's the other tip I guess I have is be careful, you know, how much you put in in that whole grind that you've missed your family and your friends yeah. and, 
and living life because um, life is short. Life is short and life is about happiness and experiences. Right. And if you're constantly grinding and, you know, doing all the things, but you're not doing all the things, uh, you'll have regret and regret something we can't have. Absolutely. You say that your sweet spot with your speaking engagements is women's empowerment and connecting with women. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women-run businesses in terms of how it's evolved and how it's continuing to shift and evolve. Women are badass. Yeah, they are. <laughs> That's a given. That I mean, I'm going to tell you something. I have seen over the last, at least in the different events and things I've been a part of, the women entrepreneurial space is so strong. But I will tell you, you put a whole bunch of us in a room and you got a whole bunch of type A's and lionesses. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic. But but I, I tease because generally in this world, we really do want to help other female entrepreneurs. And the strong ideas and the personalities, I think, are absolutely amazing. So when I walk on stage or I you know, talk to a group of women about you know, their startups and what they're doing, the love and the passion that you can feel behind their ideas. And that's why I like to coach and chat to women because I always do want to make sure that and this is my gentleman I work with too, but I always want to make sure that is this a viable business or is it just a passion and how, how can we turn it to make sure we can make some money at this because you need all the passion and going forward, but you also need to make sure that the idea is sound or how can we make it that it works so it actually is a viable business. But I'm telling you, women are taking over that that entrepreneurial space and it is a fun thing to watch and being in a room with those women. I always come back just completely empowered, like a Wonder Woman. I can conquer yeah. the world kind of kind of thing. So that's I why that. I enjoy, like I said, I enjoy strong women. They make they make me stronger. <laughs> okay. That's beautiful, and I, it's it's needed. It's needed in the world. And you know, you talk about we t- we're just talking about the competition mindset thing. And coming from corporate, for me, I saw a lot of that competition among women because a big part of the reason for that tearing each other down and not supporting one another was because there were so few positions available of authority for women. So they had no choice. Women had no choice but to fight for those positions. Unfortunately, they're fighting against other women because they're so few. So now I think I've seen anyways with this platform and my community, that world has completely opened up and I don't see any of that competition mindset in my community, which I think is beautiful. Yeah, I I don't see a whole lot of that among the women in my group either. If anything, we're like I said, it's who you surround yourself with, right? Yeah. They're my biggest cheerleaders. I'm their biggest cheerleader. When they see them, they succeed. They've done a book. They've got a new program, you know, new grandbaby, like whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I, I feel as proud as if I had accomplished it. I'm a weirdo because like I'll cry when someone wins a car on the prices, right? Because I'm so happy for them. And that is what I try to bring to my women is I want that for you to know that I am so proud of everything you do. And I understand all the behind the scenes, especially parents and, and moms and, you know, single moms and all that, that are making it happen yeah. overtly or in, in, like I said, in this entrepreneurial space. It, it's such a beautiful feeling to watch the people you surround yourself with or your friends or whoever mm. win. Yes. It, it's like you're winning when they win. Yes. It's, it's a beautiful feeling. It truly is. I love 
celebrating other people's wins. I love celebrating other people's successes. It's incredible. And when you see that and you stand up and you celebrate those, it gives others permission to stand up and celebrate too when they win, because that's something that we don't do often enough, in my opinion. We don't celebrate our wins. We don't take the time because of this, as we said multiple times today, that hustle culture bullshit. We're so busy crossing things off the to-do list that we don't take the time to slow down. And you would think that what the world has been through in the past three years, that we would have learned that above all else, that we need to fucking slow down That's right. and take life slower, enjoy it because we're not here for very long. So you might as well enjoy it with what you're doing for a living, celebrating your wins, take the time to slow down and smell the roses, period. That's it. I, I, and we I, don't do that. We don't. I think... What we've lost in in our culture, especially with electronics and again, maybe unpopular opinion, but I actually wouldn't mind going into an office hybrid because I missed people. Do you know, like there is something to be said about a collaboration of being able to do things remotely, obviously, but also being able to have touch points where you could actually give someone a handshake or a hug. For sure. (laughs) Because we want to make sure that we don't lose the human element of, of yeah. what we're doing. Yes, business is business. We all have to pay bills and now we have to pay a lot more than yeah. we had in the past, yeah. right? So things are changing. But what has not changed, in my opinion, is the human element and really genuinely helping someone along. Because like celebrating people's wins, especially when I've been with folks, when they've been at their lowest. You know, I had one, like I said, one woman, She was. we did a 5K. She was quite heavy and she couldn't finish. And then a year later, her husband is watching as we cross the finish line of her first 5K. Wow. A hundred pounds later, she had her first child. See, I'm going to about it because that's the kind of stuff like I knew where she was. And, and to see her, because all she wanted was a baby. So to see her evolve and then just become more powerful, even at work, because her confidence absolutely so is, is absolutely, to me, one of the most incredible things that entrepreneurship has given to me and, and hopefully I've given back to everyone, you know, who I may not have worked with, but at least have crossed paths with. Yeah. I love it. What do you think, Michelle, is the most significant barrier to female leadership today? Themselves. Interesting. And this is not all women. That's a sweeping generalization, but it really is the, can I do that? And the overwhelming responsibility of sometimes the family you know, that they have so many other things to do. Would I have time to do this? Should I do this? Because they take on a lot of different hats a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so it really is sometimes a confidence. So I had a contract with a career placement agency when COVID was happening because no one was really consulting, to be honest, and doing stuff like that. But a lot of people had lost their jobs. So I jumped into this this role to really guide people to see what their next step was. And I said, this is the time that you could possibly do this. And up time and time again, I had to build them and go through their resumes, cheer their wins throughout their career to show them like, look how much, you know, because I always say that you have skills that are transferable, brandable, and viable. So just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to stay doing that. What do you love to do? And how can that transferable skill go into a new business or any of those things. So as soon as you start to believe and put your thoughts together, anything is possible. Absolutely agreed. 100%. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment is permission. You have the powerful permission to do anything in life that is brought to you. 
because the whole thing is about having power and understanding how to take a look at what your super, and I don't want to be cliche because that was your superpower and all this stuff. <laughs> but, you know, because you hear that all the time is let's look outside the bucket and all that. But anyhow, I digress. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the biggest thing is, is that you just have to allow yourself again. It's just permission to follow your dreams, empower right. yourself to get the mentor, empower yourself. If you love something, but you're not good at it. Like my, my friend is a, you've been a handyman forever. But his passion is photography. Yeah. Really good at it. So you got to take the lessons. You talk to another photographer, follow him around, have him critique what you're doing. You know, what are different ways that you can take that and, okay, well, if you're a handyman, well, then if people are moving out, maybe then you fix the stuff, then you take the photos so they can put the stuff on the market. Yeah. You, know, you see what I'm sure. saying? So there's yeah. a way to take a look at what you're maybe really good at, but something you're really passionate at. And what does that business look like? And how can yeah. you make money at it? So empower yourself to say yes to possibilities. Love it. What is or was one of the biggest turning points in your life and how did it affect you? Yeah, the biggest probably turning point was losing all the weight because that was weighing me down in general because I I had no self-esteem. I had, I was, like I said, heavy my whole life. So actually being able to make the change and kind of walk into a room feeling good about myself really changed the trajectory of my career. And the story I like to tell with that is I have a real dear friend who is also a brand manager. This is when I was working with Oscar Meyer. And and I had, you know, lost all this weight. And I remember going into his office and I'm like, man, he's like, what? I go, I just feel like I'm getting all of a sudden people are paying attention to me. I said, so now that I'm thin, I'm more worthy than when I was, you know, 310 pounds. And that was me being a victim. And he looked at me and he's still a very dear friend of mine. He looked at me and he goes, or what if it's because the way you walk into a room and the way you handle life is now different and people are taking notice. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with your weight. It has everything to do with how you present yourself. Now. How, yeah. How you carry yourself. Absolutely. He's like, so, so knock it off. You look great. But he goes, but well, what you look like is nothing. It's how you treat people and what you do to add value to their lives. He's like, get out of here. I was like, love you. He's like, love you too. All right, get that, you know, get the forecast done. Okay. (laughs) The door hit you in the ass. Exactly. (laughs) We have a good relationship. So it was kind of tongue in cheek, but I carried that with me because I was, it was a victim mentality of, Hey, why did they treat me like that when I was this way? And now that I'm this way, it's different. It's because I'm different. And what I'm presenting is different. So, um, so be careful of how you, how you frame things in your brain, that mindset thing, right? For sure. <laughs> yeah, mindset is key, 100%. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next yeah. grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? Gotcha. How would you describe yourself in one word? Fierce. What is your favorite entrepreneurial book? Good to great. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Love. What is your favorite self-care practice? Watching sports. <laughs> <laughs> I like football. <laughs> All right. What is your personal motto? Live your life like your hair's on fire. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Changing one person's life. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What's one thing you know now that you wish you had known when you started your career, your entrepreneurial journey? that I didn't need to prove myself as much as I thought I did. I was constantly, like I said, 
I'll get my master's. Now I'm going to get my international master's. And now I'm going to go to this event. It's like, instead of launching, I was constantly getting more education where sometimes you just got to get on the golf course. Yeah. There's only so many balls you can do at the driving range. So many lessons you could take unless you take the leap onto the course. You're never going to know if any of that stuff stuck or what you can possibly do and what you need to work on. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most, would you say? God, which one? Well, two of of which is they're interrelated. One of which is, like I said, the weight has always been a problem for me. And everyone's like, let it go. I'm like, I understand. But it also led into the fact of who I married. And I had no self-esteem and I couldn't believe someone found me attractive. Mm. And 20 years later, it was very, we'll just call it, it was not a good relationship. And it was sometimes verbally very hard to take when you're shot down day after day. So then you go to the entrepreneurial space and you're used to not having such a great home life and being told you're not good enough to everyone. And then you're, you're an entrepreneur. So, so that is probably the biggest thing why the confidence thing took me a a minute and I still deal with it was because I had to get out of that relationship. I had to get get out of that constant verbal, you're not good enough state in order for me to to really climb out of that trench for myself and not worry about what I was coming home to. Well, good for you for doing it and putting in the work and you should be very proud of yourself. Yes, we're still working. Yeah, of, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, we are, we're human beings and we're a constant work in progress. We never get to the end. We never get to that point where we say, okay, I'm fully okay now. That's There's right. no, it, you can't. There's no end. We have to continually work on ourselves. As long as we realize that, then we're good. I mean, everything starts with self. We are the foundation for absolutely everything. Everything. It all starts at home with us. I agree. Our relationship with ourselves is the longest standing and most important relationship we'll ever have in our lives. So you better make it a good one. <laughs> That's right. Like you said, be careful who you're, you know, talking to yourself because you might be listening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? My approachability. It's really interesting. I actually got an email or a text. Or I, I can't even remember. It was a message or LinkedIn. Where did that message come from? But <laughs> it was someone I had met at an event last September. And it was out of the blue. I think I wished her a happy birthday. And she's not someone I really know. Just, again, someone I met. And she wrote me the nicest note saying that I was the light in the room. And she thanked me for listening because she was kind of struggling with stuff. From she's like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. And to me, when I can make someone feel comfortable and know that they can basically tell me anything and I'm going to listen and give honest feedback and hold space for them, that is what I'm known for is being able to, like I said, comfort folks. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Nobody deserves anything. I deserve that. (laughs) No, you don't. You need to work for that. (laughs) You work for it. Yes. That's right. right. And you, you can't walk into a new, you know, a career, any kind of space with thinking that I deserve this. No, prove yourself, do the work, be that teammate, be the idea person, be the one that if you got to go with a coworker into the stairwell, cause they need to cry it out, be that person, yeah. but don't ever think that you have to stop putting in the work or you, you know, somehow are owed something. 
the world owes you nothing. And I think that's a problem with our younger generation coming up is that they feel they deserve to make 60 or 70,000 right out of the gate. And no, that's not the way it works. You got to start at the bottom, kid. That's, that's, that's the way life works. That's it. And I had, and you're not above any job. No. Oh my gosh. No. I'm like, I, that is a hundred percent right. That drives me absolutely bananas. Yeah. Just, you know, that's that entitlement bullshit. That is it's just, just like when I see people leave a cart in the middle of the parking lot. I'm like, real? Yeah. And, like take so, it back to the, to where they belong. Yeah. You took it at, from there. So take it back or take it back. I mean, if it, those little things, it's you, you ate at a fast food restaurant and you don't clean up after yourself. Like, so those are the, the small things from a character perspective is, you know, be respectful and, and, and know that, you're part of the whole ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, nobody owes you anything. No. You don't deserve anything, but be deserving. Yes, exactly. Michelle, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) Interesting choice. The Iron Lady. That's it. And just folks like that in general, because of when she grew up and when she was in power, yeah, I was tossing that up even with like a Queen Elizabeth, yeah. just because of the wisdom that our, our elders and the folks that have been there before, sometimes I wouldn't even want to have a conversation. I would just want to listen to the stories to understand where you've been, what the struggle was and how you overcame that and how you in, in a world where there weren't many women, you know, queen, you know, to, you yeah. know that kind of stuff. Like, how was that? You know, take away all the royalty and all this stuff, but as a woman with these high power positions in government and royalty and whatnot, what does that look like? You know, Madam Albright, like there's all it had to be one hell of a fucking badass. That's for sure. Cause there are far fewer women in positions of authority then than that's there right. are now. And there's still not enough now, but I mean, think back and how badass they had to be. Like I, it's I, incredible. That's why I'd want to have that conversation Yeah, because yeah. I'm just curious because the resolve it took for those folks yeah. To get to where they were to have their voices heard and to st- stand strong. Because a lot of times, again, I was in the meat industry and things like, you know, different <laughs> I'd be the yeah. only one in the room. Yeah. So how do you hold space and command presence while also being, like I said, empathetic and your other things that a, a woman may bring to the table? So yeah, I would I would love to to hear the struggles and how they overcame. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Don't get married. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I obviously tongue in cheek. I, I yes. love the real thing. A partnership is a real thing, but find an actual partner. Don't settle because you don't think you're good enough. You okay. deserve the best. And, and again, lesson learned that I wouldn't change anything in my life, but that would be the one thing I would say mm-hmm. is just wait. You're worth someone who who is going to support you. So. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Lastly, Michelle, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I'm actually going to read this if you don't mind. No, go ahead. All right. An opportunity to follow your passion and redefine your next chapter is just in front of you. The old rug was tattered and torn, stained, but comfortable and safe. I want to be the person who helps you buy that new rug walking side by side with you to rediscover all your passions and to help you redefine your purpose. When the rug gets pulled out from under you, buy a new rug. And are you ready to buy that new rug today? Beautiful. Thank you, Michelle. (laughs) Love it. Love it. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure having this opportunity to sit down and speak with you and have you take me along for the ride of your journey through your life and sharing a bit about your story and the bright, beautiful light that you're shining out into the world. I appreciate you and I'm grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you for being here today and for taking the time to share with me. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And if there's any ever anything I could do to add value to your life, you let me know. Thank you very much. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Michelle Malo. She is a business coach, a consultant, and a global speaker. Thanks so much, Michelle. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.